My name is Brad Williams with Over 40 Fitness Hacks Podcast. I've been a personal trainer and gym owner for over 12 years. My goal is to help the over 40 crowd fight the aging process as best we can and still have a social life to go along with it. Check out all my episodes for the latest fitness hacks. Like, you know, besides like big, huge problems, like, you know, we were talking about OCD, Alzheimer's, all that kind of stuff. For people who don't really have those issues, but you know, why should I even do brain yeah. mapping? Just think of it like a you know a well-run car. Like all the engine things are firing, all your electronic electrical components are firing properly. If if you care about your body, that you want that, and you have a pretty much set healthy human perception of what all those waves should be at different times, right? And that's. We well, well, we have some th- we have some theoretical space that tends to be pretty accurate, but okay. more importantly than what I'm deciding about in terms of what is plausible and what is likely to change and what people might want to go after, we're giving them tools to look at that over time. Brain brain maps don't change over time unless you're doing something to the brain. So while they're a little hard to interpret, they're stable unless you push the brain around with neurofeedback or something. Yeah. So you get agency and tools to create transformation, and you feel stuff. So it's mysterious, but not at all blind. You know, you're getting effects. So since we stay on top of what's happening and iterate and try different things, the process becomes one of dialing in the subjective effect very similarly to an athlete. You know, this is, we don't, we don't create the client's goals. It's not diagnostic. Here's your label. You must have, you know, here's what's wrong with you. It's, hey, here's some things about your brain. What do you want to work on? And they can be suffering or diagnostic or peak performance or a mix. I mean, I can't tell you the large percentage of high performers that come in with nothing wrong. And you look at their brain and they all have OCD and concussions and, you know, brain fog. And they're all I'm like, wow, this person's operating really well, all things considered. Yeah. And you can make dramatic change at any age. I work with elders in their 80s and 90s. I work with people who are three years old. Uh, I do an awful lot of work with, you know, 30s, 40s, and 50s because Peak is one of the few companies that has a very strong uh, uh, performance-focused aspect. You know, we're we're not about fixing problems, but demystifying it and giving you strategies. So, yeah. um, what what about uh, pain? Is there chronic pain nap- does show up in the brain, but That's it's not a reliable phenomena. You know, okay. psychological pain and physical pain look very similar in the brain. Okay. Um, when they're chronic, like if you have EDS, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, or you know, two rods in your spine from a, yeah. a surgery fifty years ago, um, that shows up in the brain generally. Yeah, but it's a mix of of like chronic stress showing up and the sleep disruption you're getting from it, and probably some of the like the hyper focused thing. But when someone has the experience of what we call central pain, when it's no longer about the body necessarily sending signals up, but the brain resonating too much, echoing too much with chronic pain, we see that generally, and we can massage down the very fast beta waves. Uh, The front right of the head is the part of the brain. The the frontal frontal lobe is kind of on the edges like a happy little kid and a grumpy old man. Yeah. And they have habits dealing with the world. The happy little kid goes, oh, hi, that's cool. Can I have some? What's that? Can Can I show you? I got something, I got something for Christmas today. Like it wants to really share and engage and dig in. And the grumpy old man wants to go, ah, oh, this all sucks. Leave me alone. Ah, ah, this is gonna be too hard. And brace against the effort and protect things. Yeah. Yep. Get off my lawn. So that's that flight get, or flight response. That's what I was wondering. It's, if it's that a bit, it's a bit and... more, um, it's a bit more all the time. It can okay. creep in. It's a negativity bias or a positivity bias, a Pollyanna or, uh, you know, the little guy from up. 
-hmm. you know, um, it's that kind of thing. It's that, that tendency that it's a bit learn. It's a bit of learning. It's a bit of experience. Um, if it goes too far in that direction, the right front takes over too, too much. We get a, um, a very difficult time feeling resilient emotionally. It can lead to depression and stuff like that. But now we're getting to the range of what I wouldn't necessarily know was true. I wouldn't know if you were depressed, mm. if you had lots of right front beta waves and sluggish alpha. Yeah. I would know you may have a hard time with your motivation and drive, but I would have no idea if your experience of that, if that was involved in your experience of depression, which is a higher level human thing. So I'm looking at the resources in the brain to answer your question about what can we see? Yeah. It's the resources that exist. And oddly enough, all executive, most executive function, most anxiety, sleep, and speed of processing things show up as resources when you look at them. As like, as like a fingerprint. So that's the stuff that you get some agency around and can, you know, make some transformation in. Yeah. So just like uh, processing speeds, you know, maybe just, I was just kind of thinking in my mind, like what would an athlete need? So imagine like an NFL athlete, how much better they are with how, how processing, you know, gripping mm -hmm. the ball or even which direction to go in their peripheral mm -hmm. vision, like all that. And, and if they have inhibitory tone, I mean, I, I work with some athletes who have some brain fog and sluggishness and concussions, you know, boxers and things. Yeah. And after some injuries or after some accumulation of, of wear and tear, their reaction times, their actual speed, their actual literal reaction time is down to a third of a second, which is too slow for somebody in a, in a, in a competition sport like that, a physical competition sport. Yeah. Um, but then you get people that are up, you know, 150 milliseconds for reaction times. And that's too fast for most people. You can't control that. The It takes about 70 milliseconds for information to go from the retina to the visual cortex or from the cochlea to the auditory cortices and first half 70 75 if you're like an 18 year old all the myelin all the nutrition all the health all yeah. the genes it's 70 milliseconds that's the best basically okay. you can get information into the brain the other 70 or so is decision and action if you're like at 140 150 that's the absolute limit generally of where humans can effectively perform okay more than that you're sloppy you're you're, you're running but you're running downhill you you can't stop you can't you can't steer um so i see my olympic athletes coming in at two to 200 to two and a quarter in their reaction times but your alpha speed is your is your cognitive reaction time not your physical reaction time in some ways so it's how rapidly you can drink in the information being thrown at you so that's about how well you can learn or how well you can produce verbal information on command that's what we notice it in uh, spoken language and yeah, yeah. tip of the tongue phenomena. It's that's the most obvious place. Brain's like, here's a word. Here I come. Where's that word? You know, you kind of a mismatch as the word oh, yeah. fades out before you get there. So the reaction time piece for athletes, you will often improve if it needs to be improved and you might slow it down a tiny bit, but improve their, their error rates, improve their, their uh, effort if you will, in executive function tasks dramatically, even though they may lose, you know, they go from like 145 or 150 down to 175 in reaction times. That's still faster than it should be for most humans. Mm -hmm. um, and that's under like boring conditions for these athlete, athletes too, by the way. When we, when we assess your executive function, we do it under um, unloaded conditions. So most executive function tests will have you react or not react, go, no go to certain things. And we use a version of a test like that, that makes you respond in a time window that's slow enough that all of your automatic resources have just gone offline. 
there's something called uh, inhibition of return, which is a, a concept the brain uses, or, or we've, we've labeled this phenomena, where right after you scan the environment spatially or notice something in time, you can't notice that thing again right away for 300 milliseconds, okay. up to about 800 milliseconds. There's a gap there to avoid you getting stuck on noticing something, basically. But that means that if you try to respond slowly, so on this test we give you, we have you click on a one or a two, and we flash them on the screen or speak them over the speakers, and all the computer's saying is, one, one, yeah, two, about that slow, yeah. just long enough that you've just gone offline. Uh, like the, the vigilance, you can't maintain it, and it's twenty minutes long too. So a few trials, <laughs> and you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nail this. This is easy. Oh yeah, uh, people do, don't do well this. And... and then five minutes in, you're like, oh crap, I just missed two trials. <laughs> you, know, you know, kind of thing. Click, click, click. Oh no, I just made it at that point. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then later on, I show you the consistency and the stamina impacts and the alertness for change versus the background awareness, the auditory versus the visual. And so, yeah, you got ADHD. I see that. But it's it's a bit more granular than that phenomena or that label. And you'll see the degree to which your executive function um, might have strong resources some places, but some inefficiencies other. Or you can, I get people all the time that come in with ADHD diagnoses and look at their performance and it's great, except for an auditory processing issue. Mm -hmm. So some psychologist said, do you have trouble paying attention? And the kid said, huh? And they yeah. check, you know, you check, check but it's an auditory yeah. processing issue, not a, a executive function issue. And you can tease apart that kind of stuff looking at classic uh, CPTs or continuous performance tests. Yeah. What about, so, what about the like hormonal imbalances? If people are experiencing that, does that pop up in the brain mapping or a little bit indirectly? Mm -hmm. Um, especially in mid years, you'll see for women, you know, these climacteric shifts, right? These big, big shifts, men do experience an andropause or a viropause it's called, but it's um, a progressive and gradual and very slow process. And both men and women during uh, and after that phenomena can work counter to a lot of the body changes that do show up, especially with regards to the sarcopenia stuff, you know, muscle mass, bone mass, water mass, and uh, fat mass all move in directions you don't want mm -hmm. starting about age 30. Um, and then uh, hormone shifts will accelerate that. So uh, GH after about age 40 and uh, the reproductive hormones uh, uh, starting soon after. So, there is a shift. I don't see a big change. Someone who you know goes on and off HRT or something, I don't see it in their brain. Um, or a, a, a weightlifter or somebody who's doing sports rehab who could take some hormones. I don't see an acute impact really. Okay. But somebody who's experiencing menopause and can't sleep because their progesterone's in the toilet, well, guess what? I see their really crappy, crappy ma sleep maintenance really, really clear in their brain. Oh, or somebody that has questions about that. Yeah. Somebody has really crappy tea because he's got, you know, crushed, you know, he, he, he did a cycle wrong or something and he's just crushed his, his gonads. Yeah. I won't see the low T, but I'll, but his alpha will be crappy and he'll have very low amplitude EEG and he'll look tired and beaten up somehow. And I won't know what's going on, but I'll be like, so you're really tired. You're really, you know, and then I'll figure he's amotivated. I'll see that stuff, the okay. stuff that T gives you. I'll see that in there. So, you know, often I, I'm, I'm top down, I work on the brain first and, and I often like to do other stuff later, but because you work with high performers and executives, often after the first few months of transformation, they're like, Whoa, what else you got doc? And they want other stuff. And so now I'm like, ah, okay, well, 
there's, here's how you fast and here's how you cycle macronutrients. And here's some supplements to think about for, you know, some of your goals. And here's some uh, of these strategies to, to look at. And here's a device to measure your, your, your uh, breath acetone. So you can, yeah. you can manage ketones in an appropriate way without chasing, you know, digestion stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So I start layering in advice, but I'm not a coach that does like the three time a week, sit there and, you know, do stuff. I'm like, yeah, the, yeah. Hey, here's some best practices. Let me talk to you in a few weeks and see how it's been going. And after we help them make sweeping change in executive function or anxiety or clarity of thought or whatever, our clients are usually really interested in doing more stuff with us. So um, all of our peak brain client uh, uh, packages come with a year membership to the offices. So all the offices become wide open for brain mapping unlimited with a single membership mm -hmm. uh, and your uh, listeners get a discount on the membership. So it's cut in half down to uh, 250 for in office oh, cool. brain maps for podcast referrals. Um, but uh, people do a few months of neurofeedback with us initially, and that's a different program on top of the, the club memberships. But then they continue for a year mapping their brain every so often, meditating with our teachers, doing groups, calling in with questions, booking, you know, call, oh, I heard about this cool thing. Oh, no, no, that, that's, you know, that's bunk. Oh, that, that though, that's, that one's cool. You know, spend some time with that one. So we guide that sort of biohacker wild west a little bit when yeah. people start to navigate uh more advanced goals at that point so, so do you see um like a majority of your clients are have serious issues or is it a good mix to uh, people who are just curious and want yeah. to try to optimize what's going on i would say had you asked me that question level, level. yeah uh had you asked that question about a year ago sorry about five years ago mm -hmm. I, I would, the classic answer that I may even started to give today is that I, about a third of neuro bucket, you know, people with very, very deep difficulties in the neuro end of things, autism, ADHD, mm. that's in the way seizures, migraines, yeah. concussions, et cetera. Top third of the bucket is the peak performers in the middle is everyone else who's got a little yeah. bit of anxiety, doesn't sleep well, but you know, in the past few years, I see so much brain fog. I see so much post COVID brain. It's, wow. it's a very big deal in the brain. Um, it, it, it take even mild or relatively asymptomatic COVID some of the time. I, I my take on this is, is the chance about one in three, regardless of the, how sick you get from COVID about one in three times or more, you develop this like post-concussive syndrome essentially. Wow. And it doesn't show up right away. Always often it's, it's like a concussion. It blooms over a few months. So an awful lot of the time. I have another bucket now, which is folks coming in saying, Hey, I've been fine for my life, but God, for the Ever past year and a half, been, yeah. I can't think clearly. And I, I feel like I have a concussion, you know, it's light sensitive and everything hurts and I can't sleep and I'm too tired all the time and whatever, whatever, whatever. And you look at their brain and I would have believed it was a concussion had they told me and, wow. and we'd not been in a pandemic, but now I have a checkbox on our questionnaire forms for goal setting is had you had COVID and do you think you have brain fog from it? Because it shows up as a giant signature that jumps out. And I have the luxury, if you will, of having worked with clients for five, six, seven, some of the same clients for many years before mm -hmm. the pandemic through it. And now as we emerge from the acute phase. So I have maps where I took someone's brain up and up and up and up and up and up to some gorgeous state. And then they, they stayed there for a couple of years yeah. And then they had COVID and you see all of the Delta on the sides of the head blowing up. And there's some classic signatures that tend to uh, wow. 
wow. uh, presented. So is that for people who actually got COVID or just the experience of what everyone it's, had? It, no, it's the illness. Trapped, no, the, the, the PTSD of it is something else. That's okay. a, that's wow. a social and societal trauma yeah. thing that's happening too. I'm seeing a lot more anxiety because of that. I'm seeing a lot more, oh my God, my kid has ADHD because the yeah. mom's home with the kid all day long now. Like I'm seeing uh, uh, sort of like incidental effects, if you will, that because of the change of our culture because of the pandemic. Yes. But no, I'm talking about your brain Actual getting illness. sick from the COVID wow. and inflammatory stuff taking anchor in your brain and being stuck there and building up over a few months and making you feel like you're aging rapidly or have a concussion. Wow. And it shows up at a lot of the time, even if your COVID wasn't that bad, even if you've gotten vaccinated. So this is why I'm, this, this is why I, I had to sort of call out. There's this other bucket now. It's probably, I would say it's, I would say it's at least, <laughs> it, well, it's at least 10% of people's primary complaint that they're coming yeah. in for now. Um, but I would say it's at least half my clients wow. have that phenomenon now. That is insane. Um, so, and, and, and what's the success rate on trying to get some of that? It's good. It's good. It's very good. It's very high. Yeah. It's okay. very high. It's a little trickier because some people, you, it's like an injury almost and you have to go yeah. very gently. Um, and I often do, uh, uh, in, uh, interleave other interventions with other providers. I'll often have folks do, you know, lower carb diets if they have the means or the access, I'll have them do hyperbaric medicine to interleave, which can accelerate some things. Um, I also use different techniques in neurofeedback. Um, there's a, a suite of tools that I use uh, for concussions and for migraines that is pretty effective for the COVID brain fog. It's called HEG. I use a form called uh, PIR, HEG, passive infrared, hemoencephalography. So it's blood flow training. You basically take a camera and you strap it to the forehead, pointing inward, infrared camera, and you measure waves of heat flowing off the brain mm -hmm. as they do as a proxy for metabolic load. Wow. And that is semi-voluntary. Unlike most neurofeedback, you kind of like lean in, you think happy thoughts or concentration thoughts. And about two seconds later, the blood flow responds and you see a giant surge of heat on the screen. Wow. And you learn to like, you know, create larger Rest pulses. Yeah. <laughs> and, and over several days, the fog drops away, migraine severity drops away rapidly, and then migraine incidence drops away. It also seems to bring up social function and autism uh, more than one would expect. You know, some of the time, uh, the autism is not a very tractable phenomena. You tend to change the phenomena within it, the sensory, the executive, the sleep, the seizure, the bedwetting, whatever it is. Um, and some of the more complicated, higher level, quote unquote, human stuff like language, if it's impaired, is really hard to change in people with spectrum stuff. But adding HEG can sometimes provoke more you know nuanced social function or better eye contact or better humor oddly enough so uh we have these tools and we would just kind of build every individual plan but i'm i'm buying a lot more heg headsets yeah. from dr jeff carmen who makes them he's the inventor of this particular technology uh i think it's stop my migraine now is jeff's website um but but i buy these devices from dr carmen and we we build them into uh, kits for our clients that have the EEG electrode amps and the blood flow training uh, system. And we teach them to use the software and then work with them to get the effects iteratively. But if someone didn't have access to like hyperbaric medicine or something or, or the means, because it's very expensive when oh, yeah. it's done well, um, then I would include HEG and do targeted uh, blood flow training, which can do the same thing in terms of the long-term outcome, I think but it's not quite as much of a systemic 
um, relief as hyperbaric is. Also, again, some of my clients are uh, middle-aged and up. Some of my clients have means. And when you have those two things together, hyperbaric becomes exceptionally good idea. If, mm. if a couple grand isn't a big stretch for you and you can find a hard chamber center, Oh, okay. You should probably, and, and you're above 35 or 40, you should probably do around a hyperbaric every few years, you know, 10, 20 dives kind of thing. Yeah. And you'll get a telomere lengthening and a, a collagen rejuvenation and skin rejuvenation and vision, some vision healing and a bunch of stuff that's really, really anti-aging, anti-senescent in some ways. So that's one of the strategies I would layer in and I do, but it used to be that I was trying to find hyperbaric for all of my CEOs who wanted every tool. Oh yeah. And now I'm fine. Now I'm trying to figure out if the person has access to one, or if we can, inter if we need it, if we can interleave it, if you know that kind of thing. So, so I tend to do other techniques, but at this point, it generally is really individualized. So yeah, well, that's awesome, Doctor Hill. Uh, so if any, especially since you uh, just gave my audience a little discount too, if anyone that's right, that's right, brain mapping. Uh, what's the best way of getting in contact with you? Website, social media. How sure, they more about sure. You? Um, we'll, we'll get you a landing page link, uh, for the show, uh, okay. uh Austin can, can, or our, our marketing guy can build you one. So you can skip that out if you want. But, um, we have offices, as I was saying, in, in Orange County, California, in LA, California, as well as St. Louis and New York city folks can of course go there, or we can do remote programs and that same discount of 250 off the initial package would still apply. Um, peak brain Institute is our main website, uh, okay. com. And all of our socials are Peak Brain LA because that was our first big office. Uh, so check us out, Peak Brain Institute, Peak Brain LA, and uh, tell us what you need. Tell us how your brain's working. Uh, come join our mindfulness groups online or in person if you want. The, the larger offices have in-person mindfulness uh, yeah. weekly as well. And so. uh, and also your podcast as well, right? You're going to be- That's right. Head that. first with Dr. Hill. We have some new episodes rolling out. So check that out on the places you listen to podcasts and uh, let me know if you have questions on that or can suggest guests. I'll take them. Absolutely. Um, and all my, my audience knows, I'll always put all those links after this. I'll put it all in the description, you know, whatever platform it's on. So it's just clickable links to make it easy for everyone. Oh, uh, great. Um, but yeah, uh, Dr. L, I just want to thank you so much for jumping on my show and uh, giving our over 40 audience some, uh, you know, some information. And it's a population that's near and dear to my heart. You know, yeah, I, me too I, now. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I turned 52 in about, uh, well, by the time this show's out, I will just turn 52. So uh, oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm, I'm past my 40s now. So I, I remember when, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> but 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 50s is is over 40 right i'm still in that yeah. demographic 50s is new 40 that's why i say because mom's 42 right and I'm, I'm i'm thinking i'm 32 so well i mean think about it you know our our grandparents our great-grandparents were a great meal deal more frail oh yeah right my mother she, i hope she doesn't hear this she'll kill me but my mother's in her mid-70s and last year she was in the antarctic cataloging penguins yeah she, during the pandemic, she barely got back into the country because she had to hike through a, a forest in Vietnam and she got sick with something else and nursed herself back to health with a village, a Thai or Vietnamese village eating like bison jerky until she was strong enough to hike to a, no problem, 75 year old mom just being like, do, 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 traveling the world. Very different world we live in now because we can, because yeah. we have 
you know, one both the clients, health, but the info, One of my yeah. clients just took her mom to Vegas to go ziplining. She turned like 75 or something. I'm like, amazing. Oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> That's, I love hearing stories like this. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not going to do some of the stuff that my mom has done, you know, like yeah. and then vice versa. Like I've taken motorcycles across the country a bunch of times. She would never go near one, but she'll like be on a little tiny boat that can barely cross the ocean over ice flows and, you know, think nothing of it. So uh being able to have whatever you know resilience and resources we want to do that kind of stuff that's our goal i think and 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 we're getting into that compression of morbidity taking illness and pushing it back it's been the gerontology focus for 50 years is that not eliminating aging but eliminating the illness within living years so you push it all back to the last couple of years with a, then have a terminal drop right right at the end but now except for the pandemic and, and the opioid uh, uh, crisis, both of which are shortening life expectancy a little bit, except for that technological advances are such that if you and I can manage to avoid the big aging and, and disease stuff for 20 or 30 years, sometime in that next 20, 30 years, we'll get another healthy 20 or 30 years as a population. I bet. I think we're yeah. right. We're right at that edge. Um, and we're already seeing some of that happening now where we're probably healthier and, and, uh, have a better age and trajectory ahead of us than people did a hundred years ago, certainly, if not, you know, 20. So yeah. anyways, there's my thought about the antisenescent yeah. stuff. Well, that's, that's my job is to make sure we have bodies that can go that distance. And your job is to make sure that there's something in there. That's still working. In there. That's right. <laughs> that, that you're enjoying it when you get there. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Sir. Nice, nice talking to you today. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, definitely. Take care. Cheers.